someone will always say like, Hey, I've only lost 30 pounds, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't know of a more important thing I need to share with you. Then there's nothing more demoralizing to your progress than disacknowledging progress. Yeah. Like it, it sucks the absolute life out of you. Because yes. then you're like, all right, I worked this hard. I've lost 30 pounds and you won't even validate it for yourself. Good fucking luck maintaining it. Good, right. good luck. That word only, that should be just fucking struck out of your vocab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome to Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Are you ready to cut the crap with your diet and exercise, get strong as fuck, and build a healthy relationship with food? Then you've come to the right place. Let's Let's go. go. If you'd like to support us in the podcast, join our Patreon where you get exclusive content, which consists of monthly workouts you can do at home or at the gym, monthly challenges that are either strength, habit, or mindset-based, and access to over 100-plus low-calorie, high-protein, family-friendly meals. These are all designed by a professional chef who is certified in nutrition. These recipes are already in my fitness pal for easy fucking tracking. New recipes are also added each week. We believe that fitness is for everyone. So this is our way of getting you started on your health and fitness journey at a price most everyone can afford. So what the fuck are you waiting for? We'll see you in the Patreon. David, what's going on, man? Welcome to the number five ranked fitness podcast in the country right now. So welcome, dude. <laughs> that is so freaking cool. It's been fun because Matt, you and I have been kind of semi-friends on, on the, the TikTok world for almost pushing a year. Longer than that, man. Longer than that. Because you came on my original podcast with me more than a year ago. And That's terrifying. Cause, it's cause been you, that long. You, you and I connected during the pandemic because yep. it was your, your one friend that I had um, connected with on TikTok can't remember his fucking name, James or or somebody. He's like, hey, you guys should um, collaborate or something at some point. But oh no, shit, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's how we got introduced. And so we've been we've been following each other for quite a long time on TikTok. It's so cool to see you guys blowing up. I, it's 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 always a fun one because being in the space I have for as long as I ha- like, I've been down two hundred pounds for almost a decade, and seeing the different people blow up for different reasons on social media, and the very careful that a lot of people take it personal. I don't know if you guys have noticed that yet, um, but people like, like, why are they blowing up and I'm not? And you like, know, I, I just love seeing good, good point. people blow up. I just yeah. love seeing good people blow up. Plenty of opportunities for everybody. You know, we've oh, seen totally. them. Beth and I have actually talked about that these last few weeks. We're like, man, this person no, doesn't like us anymore. We're not friends with the, this person anymore. Mm-hmm. Like why? And it's like, holy shit. I just wonder if it's like a resentment thing. Like, right. Like, right? Resentment on, is grow a up. There's, we're here to help people. If you're not here to help people, get the fuck out of here. That's the thing. We're all in this together to help people. Right. So there's no reason why, like we're all, we all have the same beliefs. Why are we hating on other people that are wanting to help people like we are? Gosh, it's, it's that whole world. And I mean, it's I've toxic. had that. It's tough. Cause it's like, I mean, it's at the end of the day, I, I always come from a position of like my weight loss. I, I experienced it with friends and family where mm. I dead ass had a friend tell me, David, I liked you better when you were 400 pounds. Wow. And one of the main reasons why he said it was because he was always the fit guy of the group. He was always the fit. He was always the one that was, that was locked in. And then all of a sudden I became that guy. And it, at the end of the day, you can't take it personal. Like for at least my opinion, it's like, you understand that most people don't think things through, like when they say things and do things. And it's like, you know what? It, it, it gets this position where it's like, they know how average you are. And then you watch that you blow up and then they're like, wow, he's so average. Who the fuck am I? What am I doing wrong? And then it becomes like a self-inflicted, it's a them problem, but they 
project it onto you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, projection. It's their insecurities and their their ego talking. Perhaps they feel threatened by you. Like you're you're threatening that person's existence as the fit person. Now you now now they have to contend with you as another fit person. You know, so they feel threatened by yep. that. That's the way so I, 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 I try to find balance in it and give people their due diligence. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> So, uh, David, dude, for everybody listening, you want to introduce yourself real quickly? I obviously already mentioned your weight loss, which is phenomenal. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. But go ahead and give yourself your, your introduction here. Yeah. So my name is David Roden. I'm 31 and I look 19. <laughs> I know I get that a lot. And over the last nine years, I have lost 200 pounds um, through crazy thing called diet and exercise. Um, no weight loss surgery. No, no weight loss pills. I'm not against either. In the mm-hmm. right in the right circumstances, but you got to you got to know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then to kind of backtrack the earlier days, I weighed over 400 pounds by the time I was 18. Pre-diabetic hypertension, my resting blood pressure at 18 years old was uh, 190 over 110. Holy fuck! <laughs> wow. And the most comical part about it, which brings into this the idea that knowledge is in power, kind of like you you just did a TikTok live on this or a TikTok post talking about being, being paid for information. Knowledge is free. Yeah. Literally yeah. right mm-hmm. before we got on here. I, posted um, yeah. I was watching that. My dad's a cardiologist. My dad's a heart doctor. Okay. And so I grew up in medicine. My mom's a nurse. Um, I have a biomedical science degree. I was an EMT in college and here you are 400 pounds knowing exactly what you're doing to yourself and doing it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fascinating world. Um, so yeah, but when I was 22, I made the shift for a lot of reasons that we can go into in detail about three years from 22 to 25, I dropped uh, the 180, 200 pounds of body fat. And then from 25 to 26, I had two excess skin removal surgeries. And now from 26 to 31, I fell in love with strength training and bodybuilding and like kind of creating that aesthetic physique within balance. I'm not on any performance enhancing drugs. I won't go that far. (laughs) And so, yeah, and now we're here. So that's the the thumbnail sketch, and we can definitely dive now into, we can dive into it. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Okay. Thank you. So, so you're what over two hundred, about two hundred pounds down then? Yes. So my heaviest weight, um, recorded weight, was four ten. Okay. Currently, I'm two twenty four. Okay, awesome. And you're currently prepping for another bodybuilding show. I and am. You've done one already, which is yep. amazing. So it's like from obese to bodybuilding, right? Like, it's, <laughs> I mean. But I will say it's it. not for most people. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. oh my gosh. Everyone thinks that being a bodybuilder is the, is the iconic of health and it's no. quite the opposite. Yeah. We've talked yeah. about that quite a bit on here. <laughs> and uh, being, being sub 12, sub 10, sub 8% body fat is not good. Not at least for an extended period of time. Right. It's like you get in and you get out. Exactly. Get in, you, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. you, you can take those, you can tank those testosterone levels and you stay lean for too long. I have too many friends that have done it. You got to be on TRT for the rest of your life. Wow. You just tanked your testosterone. Yeah. So it's no, it, there's, there is a dark side to the industry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So going back then to like what started it off for you, what was, is there a single singular moment for you that like, holy shit, I need to change my life or I'm going to, you know, like, what was the, what was the outcome if you didn't change your life and why, what was it? Yeah. So for me, I always convey it from this perspective. Number one, like people make massive shifts from one of two places, inspiration or desperation, where inspiration, they see someone on TikTok and they're like, holy shit, he looks just like me. He transformed his life. I can do that too. And then you have the opposite perspective, which is desperation. They 
get the heart attack. They get diagnosed with type two diabetes. They, whatever, whatever very extreme fearful event happens are like, Holy shit, I need to change. Um, for me, desperation never did it, which is kind of crazy because F, I mean, I was pre-diabetic by the time I was 15, weighed over 300 pounds by the time I was 15, hypertension. And I was in a very dark place. It's kind of crazy looking back at it because in reality, my life was fucking incredible. I, I had a father who was an incredible human being who was also a cardiologist who made a ridiculous amount of money. Mm-hmm. I, grew, I grew up in a 7,000 square foot house with an indoor basketball court in a gym mm-hmm. in my house. I had parents that loved me. I had all the friends, all the, all the family you could ask for. And at 18, I was so depressed. I wanted to end my life. And I didn't talk about that until I published my first book. And my dad, when he read the manuscript was like, I fucked up. Like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, dad, you, you, there's no way for you to know. And you worked 80 plus hours a week. You were, you were in your own world. And I, I hit it so well that no one really knew how, de- how in a desperate place I was in. But I just felt so trapped in that body. And so fast forwarding to 22, when I really made the shift, it really came from inspiration. Where did that inspiration come from? A couple of different places, but one in particular, uh, this is so funny. I got started a network marketing company. Okay. And the network marketing company in and of itself, obviously there, there's a dark side and a light side of the industry. One of the things that I do love about the industry, and it's not industry alone, is like inspiration and accountability, inspiration, and accountability. Like that's, that's a forefront of the industry. And when I got connected with these really young, like inspirational people, um, they get, they push you to read books and like read personal development. And so the first book I read was the compound effect by Darren Hardy. And that book profoundly changed my perspective on weight loss, because up until that point, I felt so desperate being 400 plus pounds because like I always looked at, I needed to lose 200 pounds. And that seems so astronomically impossible. You, you never really emotionally invest your way in. You go, maybe it's keto. Maybe it's this workout program. Maybe this will be the thing, but you never emotionally invest in because you just don't think it's possible. And I get it. Like I was the same thing. I just did. There was no fucking way I'm dropping 200 pounds. Like maybe I'll try this thing and I can lose 30, but it's, there's no way. And that the, the compound effect at the end of the day is one of the most simple but profound things on life. Like same thing with TikTok and one post at a time and all of a sudden you blow up and with weight loss. This may sound like mysticism to a lot of people listening, especially if you're overweight, significantly overweight. Did you know if you lose one to two pounds a week for 50 to 100 weeks, you lose 100 to 200 pounds. That sounds like fucking witchcraft. I know. <laughs> but if you lose one to two pounds a week for 100 weeks, you lose 200 pounds. And I was like, huh, okay. I can wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. And so 410 pound, David, I stopped thinking about losing 100. I stopped thinking about losing 200. Nice. I said, all right, I'm 410. Next Sunday, I'm before weight. Boom, I hit it. I was like, sweet. Next Sunday, I'm before 06. Boom, I hit it. Next Sunday, I'm before 04. Boom, mm-hmm. I hit it. I hyper fixated on two pounds a week for my first 50 pounds. Like I didn't think about anything else than two pounds a week. And at that point, when I stepped on the scale 50 pounds down was when I had the big shift and I was like, I'm changing my fucking life. Love it. But that was how I started. I really like, I, I'm a huge advocate for sweet spot goals, like not necessarily audacious ones, because if you don't believe it's possible, you're never going to take the actions needed on a consistent basis to do it. And so I was like, all right, 
if I just hyper-focus on two pounds a week and you compound that over time, I can do that. And so sweet spot goal is whatever is a goal large enough that excites you, but small enough you truly believe you can hit. It's attainable. And it's and, and like for me, it was one, it was two pounds. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one foot in front of the other. You just focus on putting that one foot ahead. It's like, you know, if you think too far into the future, like, oh God, hundred fucking pounds. It seems so daunting that it's yep. like, like you said, unattainable. It just, it, it sucks, one the, pound it at a sucks time. the life out of you. Yeah. It sucks the life out of you. That's what upsets me too. When I hear somebody uh, in my comments, right. I'm like, I only lost one pound this week. And I'm, I instantly get pissed off. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck do you mean? You only lost one pound this week. You do that for a year. That's 52 fucking pounds. Right. You no, know? most people would like, depending on how much weight you have to lose, most people would love if they lost 52 pounds. Who the fuck cares how long it takes? Exactly. Trying to lose weight quickly hasn't fucking worked out for you up to this point. Exactly. I, I, that's actually when I do my lives and someone goes on there um, and I'll put like, I don't know, five, 5,000 or so in, in an hour on those lives. Someone will always say like, Hey, I've only lost 30 pounds, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this is, I, I don't know of a more important thing I need to share with you. than there's nothing more demoralizing to your progress than disacknowledging progress. Yeah. Like it, it sucks the absolute life out of you. Yes. Then you're like, all right, I worked this hard. I've lost 30 pounds and you won't even validate it for yourself. Good fucking luck maintaining it. Good, right. good luck. That word uh, only, that should be just fucking struck out of your vocab. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never use that word again when you're talking about your progress or lack thereof. Right. Because that just, like you said, it diminishes everything you've already accomplished. You're you're looking at the negatives instead of all the positives that happen. And even and there's no negatives to be hurt, to be seen there. Like you're not to your old ultimate goal yet. Who the fuck cares? You're going to get there eventually. Who cares how long it takes to get to your goal as long as you get there? Yeah, it's like I only did one push up. I only did one chin up. Well, it's one fucking more than you just did before, which was nothing. Exactly. I, I I'm a huge advocate of like almost lean on on narcissism of of progress. It's like you lose 10 pounds, fucking own that shit. Yeah, I'm you down be your biggest 10 supporter. pounds, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I did one push up today. I fucking did that push up. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Exactly. Sure. And those are those are great little uh performance goals, right? Performance mm -hmm. goals are a great way to stay engaged in your in your health and fitness journey because you know, performance goals, strength goals are they're a, very objective. You're either getting stronger or you're not. You can see visual progress um, every day. You can get stronger from day to day, whereas weight loss doesn't necessarily happen day to day. Um, it's a lot harder to, to visualize that one pound at a time. But like, hey, I just did one more push up than I did yesterday. I, or I did a half more push up, you know, or I'm no longer doing push ups on my knees, you know? 100%. I, I mean, especially when we're talking to people who need to lose over 100 pounds, you need to have multiple frames of reference to track progress. Yeah. And the more ways you track progress, the more sane you're going to be because the number on the scale can, it doesn't lie to you. I want people, people say it lies to you. It doesn't lie. It can be deceiving yeah. right? like water retention and certain things that can deceive you of a few pounds. It's not lying to you. If you gain right. 10 pounds, there's a fucking reason you gain 10 pounds and it's right. <laughs> it's not lying to you, but you, they don't understand the science behind it. Right, it's like, yeah. you have to understand the scale fluctuations and that they're fucking normal and to take the emotion out of it. Yes. And it is just data. Compare all the data together. People get so lost in that fucking number. It's like they, they will literally slash all their fucking tires because they think they have a flat. Yeah.
Yeah, I, I'll, I say that, you know, I, I use that, that phrase that the scale lies. Of, of course, we know that, that the scale doesn't lie, but that's one way uh, that we can get people to understand that the scale isn't the end all be all. Like Beth just said, it's, it's just fucking data. It's your relationship with gravity. That's all it is, you know. And, <laughs> and yeah, there's other stuff behind it. But, uh, you know, if you're just looking at that, you're going to be in for a bad time. Oh, yeah. you, oh it's an emotional roller coaster. Because I, I mean, it, like, obviously, my whole thing is when it comes to nutritional plans, I'm not against keto. I'm not against these different <laughs> things. You just have to acknowledge what they are and what they aren't. Mm-hmm. And like, there are certain people out there that, that in, truly enjoy a lower carb lifestyle. They understand calories. They understand higher protein. Um, they still get some fruits and vegetables in, but when push comes to shove, they're a lot lower carb. That's yep. fine. Like, Absolutely. Hey, hey, you understand balance. You understand calorie deficit. You understand all that kind of stuff. If you want to live relatively low carb, you do you. Yeah. The, it's the zealots that are like, no, it's the carbs that are making us fat. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, we, we all agree on that one. <laughs> but with, with that, with, with low carb, if you do decide to do a semi low carb lifestyle and you throw an indulgence meal in there that happens to be pretty carby and you're you gonna gain gain eight pounds on the scale, you're like, oh my God. It's the carbs. <laughs> it's the carbs. I fucking knew it. But why would that happen though, David? Why would, if you, if you're yeah. typically lower carb and then you have a higher carb meal or day, why would the scale go up a little bit like that? It's super important. Water retention's a bitch. And this is mm-hmm. where women have some argument on, on larger fluctuations because mm-hmm. obviously their period and different things, they, they fluctuate water retention more than men. And so because of that, what, why, why is it that keto is so sexy for people? It's really simple. At the end of the day, carbs, glycogen in your, is stored in your muscles, in your liver. They're hydrophilic. They attract water. Okay. They, they enjoy water. This is why everyone loves the instagravication of keto, because when you, when you drop low carb for two, three days and you burn off a majority of that glycogen storage, the water has nowhere to be attracted to. So what does it do? You pee it out. It releases. You pee out excess water weight, which is why when you go low carb for two, three days, you drop eight, six, eight, ten pounds. You're like, oh my gosh, this is the fucking greatest thing since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the reality is, it's because of the attraction of the water that is doing it. So as soon as you incorporate some of those carbs back and you fill up some of those, those stored glycogen in your muscles and in your liver, you're going to attract that water right back. You're going to retain some excess water weight, and you now you're like, holy fuck, I just gained seven pounds overnight of fat. The carbs, the carbs were bad. Yeah. It, it must be the carbs. Yeah. Um, Instagram occasion's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know when we hiked Katahdin, I came home and I gained literally gained 10 pounds on the scale, mm-hmm. 10 pounds. Cause you're, you're so stressed, right? Your body was, Oh yeah. I mean, so sore inflamed. And I, you know, some people would come back and be like, it was because I ate fucking McDonald's and you know, I had that donut and that lemon, whatever the fuck I was eating. No, it's because I was sore. <laughs> My body yep. was under stress. It went away in like two days. Your, your arm alone from when you fell, that was probably holding onto a couple of pounds uh, of water. Yeah. Weight. So <laughs> it uh, happens. No, hundred percent. And so like keto is such an interesting one. Cause it's like, yeah. again, and that's interesting too, because you've done keto, right? Yes. And I've done keto. I think Beth, mm-hmm. you've done, oh, yeah. we've all done it. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a large, it, that's always a funny part too. Like, so how my, how the, the, how of my weight loss the majority of my weight loss was from, from 22 to 25. I started with carb cycling because that, that was the program that was supported within the network marketing company I was doing. Um, so that was the foundation was carb cycling. It had me on a calorie restriction. Like it, you, you tracked your calories. It focused you on a high protein lifestyle. 
And then what did it do? You had high carb days and low carb days. Right. Is carb cycling necessary? Absolutely not. Do some people enjoy that balance? Cause you kind of like get a little bit of both worlds. If that, if you're a variety type person, it may be something you enjoy. And so, but then as I kept going, I noticed just like so many people, I fell, I dove being the, I have a biomedical science degree, going into that science world, I really dove into keto and I looked at all science. My dad and I would go at it. Here, here's a cardiologist and myself going at research, going at literature and him mm. and I would just go at it. And it was so much fun. Was there because, disagreements there? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Was your dad uh, for, I want to hear some of the disagreements. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, yeah let's hear it. <laughs> well, it's, it's just the, it's just the classic. It's none of the sexy stuff. It's like, it's guess what? We have enough human trials. It's calorie deficit. It, like we, we, we've done the comparisons. We've, we've literally done human trials. It's controlled for carbs. <laughs> when calories are equated, keto versus non-keto, the outcome is realistically the same. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and we've done even the extremes of like, you can go back to the sixties with these research studies on aircraft carriers where they literally gave 2000 calorie di- diets to of, of all carbs versus all fats versus all protein to these sailors. And they kept their weight. They kept their maintenance the same. Uh, it, it was their maintenance calories, but same concept. And so, now again, there's still massive feeling differences, Oh yeah. There's going to be still subtly differences, but like at the end of the day, calorie deficit unequivocally is the foundation to fat loss calories in versus calories out. There's, there's no arguing. It. Um, you can only argue what's influencing calories out and what's influencing calories in like that's, that's your only argument. Which people will try to use that to invalidate calorie deficit. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh no, it's hormones. Well, yes. Hormones play a factor in the Ho- out- calorie out. Equation, exactly. You know? <laughs> Yes, hormones can be an issue for some, but not for everybody, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then you're just, you're not as efficient at metabolizing food or your thyroid's fucked up. So you're, you know, like all these. Yeah, other your things. basal metabolic rate goes down. Yeah. And yeah. so him and I would go at it because, again, I'd be like, well, if you're, if you don't have enough carbs, you, you can't put on body fat, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and dad's just like, it's just not, it's just not true. And so like, here's, here's, there's this, here's this. It was always fun. And and I mean, it was never like when I say we go at it, it wasn't like emotional anger. It was more of like intellectual chess. I love that. Mm-hmm. But- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that you have that with your family. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's and so and, and I'm I'm blessed um without a shadow of a doubt for the the quality of dad I have. Um, because like not only is he a cardiologist, he grew up in the south side of Chicago, super poor. And so he he's he's kept humble and like calm and collected, which obviously we can say a lot of doctors are not. <laughs> and so he's always been that kind of like, Hey, we're figuring this, like he's always been level-headed and in, in like in that sense. So I've always been truly grateful for all that because there is a lot of white coats out there. Like I know what's going on. Don't fucking question me. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the final word. There, it's, yeah. their ego. it's their ego. The, the, ego so the white coat ego can be a, a mother that, that, that does exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we go back and forth on different things, but it's always, it's, it's always the fun part. Cause a lot of my weight loss was carb cycling and relatively low carb in a calorie deficit. I, I was very much a high protein lifestyle. But then as I got towards my lower weight, I got down before my excess skin sur- surgeries. I was like, I want to start getting into strength training and that's fucking difficult. Low carb. Mm. It just is like, it's like at the end of the day, carbs are, are very important for a lot of factors when it comes to performance. And after having my excess skin removal surgeries, I fell in love with strength training 
um, which then incorporated a lot more carbs, which involved gaining more weight than I'd want. Um, that's a balance in and of itself for people. Yeah, that's probably are, a struggle. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it, I've, I've watched people because being as long as I have in this space, um, I've watched people that have, that have done very similar things to me. They, they hyper fixate on absolute calorie deficit. They just do a fuck ton of cardio. They just burn calories, baby, build that deficit, which is, it's all right. As long as you understand balance in the long term. And then what happens is they fall in love with strength training. Like I did. And then it, they, they completely detach from the scale and they hyper fixate on performance and strength. The issue there is the more I eat, the stronger I get. And then all of a sudden you get caught and you, you put on muscle and all this is great, but then you put on 50 pounds of fat in the process because you hyper fixated on strength and you lost, your, you lost perspective on the scale. And so that's a balance in and of itself, bulking versus cutting, trying to yeah. find that healthy, healthy balance. It takes time. I, I always say it's this, especially for people who are losing hundreds of pounds. It's you're here, you plummet, and then you learn balance and you come up a little bit and then you hit a new set point and then you bring it back down. And then your set point set half is up and you slowly over time, th- say through four or five generations of gaining, losing, you find yeah. that point. There could be a lot of different phases mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I used to go through bulks and cuts myself early on in my journey. And, you know, I'm at the point now where my set point, my, my normal body weight is usually about 200 to 210 pounds. Now, you know, I, at my heaviest, I was up to almost 250 pounds at my lightest. I was down to 170, but 170, that lifestyle was way too restrictive for me. Sir, you're you're not shredded. Oh my God, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm six foot. Yeah. Sir, if you're not shredded all year long, Right. You're not no. a true fitness coach. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I haven't been shredded since 2017, you know. Um, it doesn't serve my lifestyle. It doesn't serve me uh, other than my ego. At the, which Exactly. I was about then, to say, other yeah. than ego. very ego-driven back then. I wanted to get shredded because I, I wanted to look good and I wanted people to like me and like my physique and I wanted to get the girls and shit. I've talked about that before. And it never happened, of course, because I was still a dumbass, you know. <laughs> That's always a fun one. Like this, this idea that that balance in and of itself between the ego of the physique and knowledge, like, oh, you you don't look like you know what you're talking about. It's like, bro, do you understand any person that sits below 10% body fat all year round? They're either on PEDs or they're, they're living such a restrictive lifestyle. They have zero balance at all. Oh, They're yeah. eating chicken, rice, and broccoli for each fucking meal. They're That's doing right. an hour of cardio a day. They're so fucking miserable. That's their yeah. life. And all about health and happiness. I'm not a, like, uh, yeah. I promote, you shouldn't be significantly overweight. You should not be significantly underweight. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a, there's a bigger balance than you think. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks like you need to be within five pounds of your ideal body weight. Like realistically, you got 25 pounds. Like you can sit between and be healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on that with like the overweight thing, and I know all three of us have jumped on that train recently with speaking out against the, the mm. health that I'm going to get banned and I was and, 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, like you weren't healthy at that. No, stuff, you know? it's not even a question. Like I don't get, and my, my whole thing is I just made this, this post, which got me a lot of flack. And again, I'm a huge live your life the way you want to live your life. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to sit on the couch all day, eating Cheetos, playing video games, 400 plus pounds, you have a diabetic neuropathy, neuropathy foot, you got to get cut off. And, but you, you just love the way you're living life and you want to do that. 
Do you live your life, man? The issue I have is soon as you make society bend backwards for your self-inflicted issues, that's where we have an issue. It's like this woman said, it's not fair that I can't fit an airplane and, and I have oh, to pay for two seats. I saw that. Yeah. Come on. That was a good video. And I'm like, I'm like, there's again, if you want to be 400 pounds and do that whole thing, that's your choice. Yeah. The airline industry doesn't have to bend backwards for your self-inflicted issues. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I could at least argue someone who's seven foot because they don't, they can't control that they're seven foot. So if they can't find an airplane, that that's shitty, but yeah. like you yeah. can, you, the extreme majority of people who are overweight slash obese outside of lipolymphedema and a couple way outliers. Some exceptions to the, yeah. Right. You don't have, like, I'm sorry, it's calorie deficit and, and making better food decisions over time. Like that's the reality. Um, and if you choose not to do that. Simplified. Yeah. 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 Now, I'll, I'll, of course, there's the argument and I'll agree with this. And I'm, I, I don't, I'm sure you do too, David, mental reasons why that's just not so easy to do. Right. There's, yep. there's lifestyle factors. There's mm-hmm. your upbringing, your financial status. Yep. Those things all affect all contribute. Play into obesity. It's not that simple, which we agree on. Right. But at the end of the day, it is the calorie deficit that is that's needed, but it's a lot fucking harder for some than it is others. And, yeah. and my whole thing again is, is fault versus responsibility. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Because again, if it's if it was truly about resources, if it was truly about education, there's no fucking way I should have been 400 pounds at 18 years old. Like, because again, yeah. if, if I had the gym in my house, I had mm-hmm. access to unlimited good food. So, so don't tell me it's just because of this, because it's just not like. And then, and then you get into yeah, it's not your fault that maybe your parents didn't teach you fundamental nutrition and you created a poor relationship with food at a young age. Um, and it may not be your fault that you have lower income than most, but at the end of the day, the victim Olympics gets you nowhere. Like that, that's my whole thing. It's like, it doesn't Victory actually mentality. benefit you. So David, how, how did you get to that point at 18 years old? So it's super funny. It's very simple. Actually with my dad working the amount of time he did, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm not kidding you. He was in the hospital 80 to hundred hours a week. Um, with heart attacks and and everything. Yeah. That's just what he did. And so my mom loves me to absolute fucking death. Mm. The issue is her definition of love is always saying yes, no matter what. And so you're 12 to 18 years old. You have unlimited access to, to money. And you got a mom who always says, yes, what do you want? Food and video games. And so, and because we had such a large house and I always had the friends over, we had a pantry stocked full of Costco, Costco sized bag of Reese's all the time, candy. Um, we get pizza every night because, because, uh, mom wasn't a big cook and dad always worked late. So it was always, it was always fast food and pizza because it was quick and easy. So there's always extra food in the fridge at all times. And so I play video games from eight till four in the morning. Uh, and I would eat an entire Costco bag of 24 count Reese's every fucking night. Man, and that I'd sounds hide so it. similar to me when I was at my un, my unhealthiest. Really? Yeah. 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 And and I would literally, I had a drawer next to my desk where I play my video games and I'd put all the candy bar, candy wrappers underneath everything, wait for trash day. And then I'd take the, all the candy wrappers and then put them in the trash, drop them below everything, drop the top. And so no one, so like no one knew. Mm-hmm. I, I always had the friends over. So there was enough of potentially mm. anybody. Oh, mm-hmm. it was Bob's. It wasn't mine. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And so, and then my mom always said, which is hard to believe, but it's, it's, 
I mean, if she loved me that much, she said she just never noticed it. Like she's like, I loved you so much I didn't even notice your size, which I, it's crazy to think. But hey, mm -hmm. we we all we all make. She didn't see you for your size. She saw you as her son, right? Yes. And, right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah, so I just ate a app. Like, I mean, when I go to Taco Bell, I'm dropping 25, 30 bucks. Like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, so realistically I was eating eight, 10,000 calories a day. Easy, wow. easy, no question. And it's, it's always interesting too. Cause this question I get quite a bit and I try to um, talk about it cause it is important, which is how did, how did doctors treat you? And because, because there is some argument for fat phobia and stuff like this, Stigma, where, yeah, yeah. where it's like, no matter what illness you have, it's, well, you need to lose weight, Sally. Like, Coming in for a broken leg, you need to lose yeah, 100 pounds. That, yeah. that, okay. Right. There, there is some argument for that. <laughs> However, my bias was super interesting because I saw every best doctor there was in West Michigan because my dad only had me go to the best. So the endocrinologist mm -hmm. was the best endocrinologist in town. And then the endocrinologist potentially treat me different than everyone else. Because guess what? This is a cardiologist's son. I'm gonna do, I'm, I'm taking, I had, I had two CT scans of my brain done. I had, I had all types of shit done because I had the access and I'm not kidding you. I had a doctor one time, my endocrinologist, it was actually the, my second one because the first one was out of town or something. So it's a different guy. He dead ass told me, he goes, David, we may be able to put you this Sahara desert for six months and you may not lose weight. And now he's saying that because he thinks what I'm telling him is fucking true. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm watching what I'm eating. Okay. I, I do all this stuff. Uh, and this is my whole thing. You're lying like, to yourself and lying exactly. to others. Exactly. Like mm. it's, you start getting in this world of like blaming the doctors and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, do, do, do you guys fucking floss twice a day? But you tell your dentist you floss twice a fucking day. Right. And it's like all the time we lie to practitioners about mm -hmm. what we're actually doing or oh, yeah. we're lying to ourselves. Same thing. It is so interesting that there is this balance of a doctor can only give you enough information, which what you tell them. Garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I used to when they, my doctor would ask me about my drinking, I'd be like, yeah, I don't really drink at all. I was fucking downing two, two bottles of wine a night. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that I, I had high blood pressure. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why that could be. I have no idea. <laughs> right? And it's just being honest. Like that's yeah. that's always getting real hard, honest. Because then you realize that you're actually in control. The problem. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's not these other external forces. It's you control all this shit. Yep. Mm -hmm. And and that goes back to the followers' responsibility thing at the beginning, which is like there are things at an early age that are out of your control. Yeah. But at the end of the day falling victim to them and, and let, and allowing them to control your life does not benefit you. It happened to you, but now it's your responsibility to do something about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you, you, you force yourself to try to starve yourself to six pack abs? No. And that may mean based upon your illnesses, you only can get yourself realistically down 30 pounds out of the quote unquote hundred you need to lose. So what 30 is better than being a hundred. Yeah. Even a 30 pound weight loss. I mean, you know, we know from a data perspective that has significant health, improvements just, you know, just by losing a little bit, even 5% of your body weight, you know, right. 10% of your weight loss and your blood pressure drops and cholesterol gets better. Lipid profiles mm -hmm. get better, everything. So like, yeah. it's like this idea, but, but again, it's like the, the, the victim complex where it's like, well, I, I don't have control. So fuck it. 
Like mm-hmm. that doesn't, that doesn't benefit you at yeah. all. Yeah, That's like the, like the trigger thing, right? Like everybody wants to project their triggers onto other people. Like, yes, you have a shitty relationship with food and you, this food triggers you, but that doesn't mean it does that for everybody else. So please stop telling everybody that, that you right. can't, they can't have that food or intuitive eaters. Yeah. Like a lot of the intuitive eating stuff, which I support that movement for the most part and a lot of what they stand for and having a healthy relationship with food. But at, at the end of the day, that thing has been, you know, that movement has become such an extreme, just like with any other fucking diet. I'm not afraid to say yeah. that it's, it's become a diet in itself. Yeah. It's, it's always so funny to me. I, I, I don't care. Cause like even keto, everything, every diet has fundamental scientific truth to it. And then it gets twisted, distorted, yeah. and it gets extreme. It gets extreme, extremized. I don't know what extreme. Yeah, like with keto, is. right? We can say yeah. keto is um, valid. Be careful how many carbs you eat. You into a calorie deficit. If that's your goal, it's a tool. It's a method to help, which is you know, it's a way to get into a calorie deficit, which is the mechanism by which you lose fat. It's not keto that's making you lose fat. It's the things that keto helped you do um, that got you into the calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. And and like keto, like. It tends to promote lean, pro- like more protein consumption, yep. which is great. Which is awesome. yep. It tends to keep people away from the chips and the cookies. And, and again, I, like, it's highly to cut them out or not satiating food, but they yeah. don't. Yeah. Like it take it keeps you limits you from those things. And that's great. Same thing like paleo, like paleo. It's like, all right, we should limit how many absolute synthetic things we're putting in our body. Cause we don't know the long-term ramifications like, okay, there's some argument there and it's like, but then it turns into like just zealotry. Yeah. Like, like it, yeah. I, I just, oh my, it's, it's the, the intuitive eating one I saw coming a couple of years ago. Yeah. I know. I think you sent, did you send me a voice note about that one? I think. Yeah. I did. It, yeah. Because I was just like, again, like creating a personal value with the scale is not good. Like, obviously it's not mm-hmm. good. Like to say your value is based upon if you're below 300 pounds, that's, that's not good. But mm-hmm. to say the scale is not important. Of course, it's fucking important. If you're 400 pounds, the scale is very important because real, realistically, you need to lose 100 pounds. Like, there's just no question about it. Like, like being morbidly obese is long term bad for your health. Yeah. We know from a st- science standpoint and the years and years of research and everything, how, yeah. Like- just because you're not unhealthy now, it's there's a very good chance of being unhealthy in the future. And I actually, um, I read an article or perhaps it was, I watched a video recently, but they said, we know smoking is bad for you. Does that mean everybody that smokes comes down with cancer? No, nope. yeah. but it fucking exacerbates everything. And it makes all the likelihood of all these health issues more likely to happen. You're, he- you're healthy until you're, until you're not. I was, I, I literally about to make that video, which is like, Everyone's under the conclusion that smoking cigarettes is not good for you. Even the people who smoke cigarettes acknowledge it's yeah. not good for you. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I, don't, just, I just don't care. There's not a movement going, these doctors are lying to us. They're just... <laughs> They're cigarette phobic. Although back in the day when, <laughs> when doctors were paid off to promote cigarettes. Right, right. They actually did commercials and shit. That's like, yeah. crazy. And That's they're freaking shit white coats smoking uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Now, now it comes to fat being obese and it's like these doctors, they're lying to you. And they look at this small percentage of a population that doesn't have any adverse effects to their obesity. And they miss all of this for the sake of that. And it's like, I really hope you're not in this population. Maybe you're not, maybe you are, you, you, you get, you, you get lucky genetically Can you be healthy inclined. like that. Yes, absolutely. But the likelihood of it happening um, long-term. Yeah. Is not good. That's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And shaming doesn't work. Like, let's no, be honest absolutely here. Does not. Absolutely that's, does that's not. the big one to me is like, yeah, 
I'll, I will like, I, I, if you saw my last couple of videos, I was having this conversation with a woman. It's like, Hey, at the end of the day, again, you can do what you want to do. Like I'm, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to shame you as an individual for doing that. But we, we also have to live in reality here. And like there, can we, can we at least acknowledge the fact that what you're doing is not healthy? Like, and you you don't have to change it. If that's what you want to do, fucking do you, but you can't create a false sense of reality for the sake of what you're dealing with. And it's like, if you want to like, and and trying to find that balance is super interesting because it's like, but some people have created that alternate reality where they're like, no, this is healthy. Like, I don't need to exercise. Like, are you kidding me? You don't need to exercise. You don't care about heart health. Like, you know, for your fucking heart, you know, did you, have you been banned from that UK doctor, that woman? the fat doctor uk i've yeah. never interacted with her but uh, i don't know I interacted her like either. twice and i, I know she who she me. is she she, me so she's one of those stupid yeah people are like no obesity is. is healthy and she, she will argue to her death about it that obesity is not unhealthy yeah there's no data to say that being fat is unhealthy is what she says yes and it's even like- though and then like people like dr ids are like actually actually here's a thousand, mm. here's a thousand meta-analysis showing you yeah, yeah actually it is yeah there's, mm-hmm. there's no question now it's but then they're like much- oh well that that those doctors are biased those the research is biased and like no you're fucking biased you're picking one little iota yep. of data and cherry picking it and saying this is the truth yeah. oh mm-hmm. we found out that if you if you look at uh a, a population of uh, people that are obese over the age of thir- have a 30 plus BMI, 30 to 40% of them have normal metabolic markers. And so like, so, so that means it must be fine. It's like, just because someone has normal metabolic mar- markers at the moment mm-hmm. does not mean the body is being stressed and forced to keep those metabolic markers at a place harder than what it'd be if you weren't because mm. like you may have really good genetics and so your body's just better at efficiently keeping your blood pressure your blood sugar normal it doesn't mean it's still not an issue and it's not stressing the body that's the whole argument and so like and that's that's where the fat the the fat acceptance movement comes from is there is like when you look at an obese population still 30 some percent still have normal metabolic markers. But then that still means the majority of the population is having problems. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking um, at the minority and saying- You're looking for yeah. the narrative that fits. You're looking yes, for the narrative exactly. that fits. Yeah. Um, instead of creating a conclusion from all the opportunity data we have, you're looking for data to fit your preconceived conclusion. A confirmation bias. That's what bias. keto people do. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone does. And I just try to push back on everybody. I'm like, hey, Same. vegetarian. Mm-hmm. You want to do vegetarian? Cool. Do you, your protein source is not optimal and that's fine. You don't have to have an optimal protein source. You're going to have to work a little bit harder to get that complete protein. And, mm-hmm. and but it doesn't mean it's bad, right. right? But meat, yes. Like super processed meats, bacon and processed deli meats had, do have an associative risk for, for colon cancer. Mm-hmm. And so it's something you should acknowledge, but not every meat is deli meat and bacon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's the extremes. That's, that's what we fight so hard against is the extremes and the zealotry. And we get hammered from everybody. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Like we just want to exist and live our life in moderation and have a fucking balanced life and be happy. And people hate balance. (laughs) Everyone hates balance. It's not sexy because balance isn't sexy. It doesn't sell. It doesn't um, get people excited. Oh my God. 
<laughs> oh, the fucking aspartame shit, man. The people are just go nuts. Beth, Beth and Ruthless. I have a video um, of oh. us drinking a diet soda on the top of Mount Katahdin talking <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's so we haven't funny. posted it yet, but yeah. No, because it's kind of corny. It is kind of corny. That's <laughs> after we recorded corny. and I look back at it. I'm like, this is pretty <laughs> stupid, but like it, we can laugh about it though. So totally. <laughs> That's too funny. That's yeah. too funny. I, I was like, like, oh, diet soda is so bad for you, huh? Okay, meet us at the top of the mountain. How fit are you? You know, it was really fucking stupid. It was, so it was, it was, we were so excited and, and caught up in the moment. It was fun, you know, with yeah. me and my fucking broke ass knee at the time. Ah, that been, yeah. I got I got a vulgus left knee that makes my life real fun. I got to be very careful on my on how I do. I still do leg day. Damn it. Still do your leg day. No excuse. Mm-hmm. No excuse. But I'm I have doing a, my first leg day today for the first time um, in a nice. month and since I since I injured my knee. On that do? Hike. I don't know if you know that, David. Um, I hurt my knee hiking on my <gasps> he he fucking died. Is what he did. I could have really? died. Literally. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Twisted it it or what did you do? Oh, I no. Fell off a, I fell off a fucking cliff. No shit. It was like a 15 foot drop. We're estimating about twelve to fifteen foot. Looking back at it, and from, oh, shit. it was bad. And so I, I you should I, send him, you should send him the video. Okay, I'll send him oh, the video and some some pictures. What? There's video was, evidence of me yeah. falling because I was recording everybody. And he I did oh a rookie, rookie, rookie move. move, rookie fucking hike, like like you know someone that could have died or that have has died. When you hear stories about people Canyon. dying, hiking, oh yeah, because, yeah, yeah you, you zone out. You don't know where your feet are, and then all of a sudden you drop. Oh yeah. I thought I knew where my feet was. <laughs> the problem is I didn't check my footing, and I stepped somewhere, and the footing wasn't secure. There I go. Oh my gosh. As he's no. holding the phone. <laughs> oh no. I was so caught up in the moment. The excitement has been building up for a year. That hike was, and we were with an amazing group of people. We were singing sea shanty songs and talking like fucking pirates. It was amazing, That's and just yeah. too caught up in the moment, and boom. That's crazy. That, There's like pirate music in the background. <laughs> I'll send you the video, David. <laughs> that's always that's why always people say that the, your mountain climbers that they, they they fall in love with the 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 adrenaline of these high, of like mountain climbing. Oh, yeah, because there is a addictive nature to you are in the moment. I'm because yeah. any I'm slip. To that. I've yeah. been. I love hiking. Um, I've been skydiving in the past year. Um, I'm doing another whitewater rafting here in two weeks. I'm doing class five rapids in, in mm-hmm. West Virginia. I, I'm not going to speak it into existence. Don't but say bad anything. Shit, bad shit can happen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not, you, know? you got to acknowledge it because you got to anticipate the it's possibility. Safety. Just don't and live there. Yeah. You just got to be careful and be aware and be safe. So Matt at the bottom of this cliff, like hit his knee, but he didn't know anything happened. I saw it as I'm coming up. I just see Matt fucking fall and i'm in my mind like oh god he's dead he's fucking oh dead i know gosh. it like like holy shit Comes up, he's like, down? i can't imagine what you guys felt and how like what what you guys it were scared the living shit out of me literally like i thought you i mean it was one of those things you're like oh, fuck we're gonna have to call the fucking uh uh Our whatever dreamers. you want to yeah so he gashed his knee but didn't know it he's like i'm fine i'm like there's no way you're okay there's absolutely no fucking way like you just <laughs> adrenaline <laughs> so, yeah. And so his arm was all scraped up. We didn't know anything about his knee until a little couple miles up. He's like, looks down. He's like, oh, shit. I'm, I'm bleeding. He's like bleeding through his pants and black <laughs> pants. It's like this like black blood coming out. So he lifts up his thing. And sure enough, like a gash, like two almost to the bone, like meat. So we wrapped it up, went the whole entire way and in a lot of pain. That was the most pain I've ever been in my life. And this is 10 I, hours. I don't know how we did this. Yeah. And you still, you still finished. I did. I wasn't ah, fucking yeah. letting anything, dude, I wasn't letting anything stop me. 
ended up having an infection, having, cause we, we, next day we went to my mother-in-law's, uh, and my sister-in-law was there and she's a doctor and my mother-in-law is a nurse. And they're like, it's really hot. It's red. You need to go to the urgent care. So we took him to the urgent care here and he, they, you know, gave him a prescription for antibiotics to take four times a day. They drew that line around it to make sure that the infection wasn't spreading. Then he had to go get a freaking <laughs> x-ray. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, nothing was shattered. No That's meniscus, I, no nothing. Yeah, yeah, no. nothing like that. Okay, that's good. So the amount lucky. of pain that I was in, because I literally, I couldn't walk. I couldn't put any weight on it. And I was, I was like, holy fuck, did I shatter my kneecap? Did I break something or worse? You know, um, I got very, I was very lucky. That's wild. Yeah, Yeah, because I have a what's called a vulgus knee where like it's not straight. So it's kind of cockeyed a little bit. Yeah, it's cockeyed. Just were you born born that way or that's always the argument. So like I've I've seen an orthopedic surgeon multiple times and I've also torn that PCL on the left knee as well. That was an ego. I can't believe it. I, I I tore my PCL playing pickup basketball, a bunch of 50 year old men when I was diving for a free ball. <laughs> Weekend warrior status. Pure, like- pure ego. Pure yeah. ego. Yeah. But the vulgus knee, because of how I walk, it just doesn't walk even on the joint, which I already have arthritis building up. The doctor wants to do an osteotomy, which is like basically wedging my femur like a tree. Where like you literally cut out 10, 15 degrees, realign rods and screws, the entire femur to straighten the whole thing out. So you have an even more even walking path and everything. The issue is it's inevitable. I'm going to have to have this knee replacement and I'm not in any pain right now. Like day-to-day life, there's no pain. Mm -hmm. I can't do um, open workouts. Everything has to be feet on the floor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like any, any closed, I've say closed chain. If I do any open chain workouts, um, like say like leg extensions, I can feel my patella rub against the side of my femur on the mm. way up. That makes um, your leg workouts a little bit more challenging. It's, it's a lot of squats, a lot of feet on the floor. So it's mm-hmm. lunges, it's squats, it's stuff like that. I can't do any leg extensions, leg curls, anything like that. Cause that, that wow. instability, it just, it doesn't fit. It doesn't, it just hurts like a mother. Thankfully, there's other ways to work those muscles anyway. Figure it so, out. Um, those are definitely yeah. staples yes. in, most, in most programs, unfortunately. For Gosh, me. I wish I could do leg extensions. Yeah. Like I watch the I love a good. I love a good pump from a leg extension. Oh my so, gosh. I just look at him like, I like, fucking wish. Like, just hit him for like 15 or 20 reps or something to, to for like a burnout set at the end of your workout. Like, oh my God, you can't walk afterwards. And it's an amazing mm-hmm. feeling. And then the worst is like, well, I can do it on my right leg. And then I'm like, do I really want to look ridiculous with a, yeah. with a right leg twice the size of my left? Like, no. <laughs> so going back to like your weight loss and everything, if you had to give one piece of advice for anybody that's listening, that's currently yeah. going through that, because you've lost a substantial amount of weight and we haven't had a lot of people on this podcast that have done that, maybe one or two other people. Um, so we want to know from like, what kind of advice can you give to people that are trying to do that? So biggest piece of advice there's two main ones. One's the, one's the mental side and one's on the house side. Um, mental side, you truly have to burn the fucking bridge and you're changing your life. Like you don't even know how to ha- like know how you're going to do it yet. You don't need, you just, you just have to make the decision. The current way you're living will never fucking come back. It doesn't serve you anymore. Like it doesn't right. serve you. It's just not, it's not going to work. That's number one, because if you're kind of half in, half out, it's just good luck. It just, it just makes, the, makes the process 10 times harder. Um, so the first thing I always recommend anyone who needs to lose a, like a lot of weight is you have to make the decision you're changing your fucking life. There's no option to go back. Like The current way you're living is over. Yeah. Um, that's number one. Number two, on the how, 
one of the biggest things to me, if because because again, I've been at this game for so long. I've been I've been down 200 pounds for almost a decade. Okay. It gives me a unique perspective on watching people who've lost weight through keto, through paleo, through carnivore, through every different freaking thing under the sun. I did this for six months. Fasting is the newest one that everyone wants to talk about, aka yeah, starving yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to remember how you do something is just as important, if not more important, than the than losing the weight itself, because you have to know. For sustainability, whatever process you take, you got to do for the next 30 to 60 years. Yeah. Like it's a lifestyle change. Like it's not something you can do. It's keto works for six months until you fucking hate it. And then you go back to your old way. Like it doesn't work. Um, And so the idea of diet has to be gone. Um, You're building a sustainable lifestyle. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can't do keto in a sustainably lifestyle way. There is there is populations that do it. But the whole argument is you have to go into it knowing you're changing your lifestyle. You're changing your life. You're not doing some six-month keto cleanse, uh, yeah. year-long, you whatever. Get rid of that diet mentality. I know Beth's talked about this, and we talked about this on a live recently. Yes. It's that diet mentality. That's got to yeah. go through. I'm just doing it for six months. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't work because it's like, what's the point? You lose 100 pounds, and then you gain it back. What, what was the point? What was the point? And so that before you get into any of the hows of like calories, macros, building a sustainable fitness plan, make sure what you're doing is under that perspective of I'm changing for the rest of my life. I'm building a lifestyle that I can maintain and and somewhat enjoy. This may sound crazy. But you can lose hundreds of pounds and enjoy the process. It's Thank you. Good. That's what I try to tell people. This shouldn't be. A, <laughs> this shouldn't be a miserable process. No. This should be enjoyable, right? And that's what I try to tell cream. people. Whatever if makes you're you fucking happy. miserable, you're doing it wrong. I uh, literally in in the early stages of my cut. Now it's obviously a little different as as right. <laughs> getting sub getting below twelve percent body fat. It, there is some unsustainable nature to it. Yes. When when I was in the first few months, I was finishing every fucking night with ice cream. Mm-hmm. For yeah. months, I dropped like 15 pounds in three months, and I had ice cream as my last meal every fucking night. And it's like now it, it was. Night. I'm not losing weight right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> but this idea, like you, like this, this idea, you have to demonize certain foods, and mm-hmm. these suits make you fat. It's just not fucking true. It's just right? not fucking true. And so, uh, it, even within that as well, like building a sustainable like perspective on food. On that note, then let's say getting started, because I want to ask you two questions here. Getting started, would you recommend even worrying about calories if you have that much weight to lose? And then the second question is strength training or cardio or walking? Because I know, I believe I know your answer to that question because we've talked about it before, but I want to hear what you're, because I think you're probably, you're a little bit different than what my stance might be. And for a good reason. Yes. So actually I do have a different stance. I know. Cause, uh, when it comes to strength training, cardio, that whole game, but the first question, um, where do you start? I think it depends when it comes to calories versus not calories. You got to know yourself and you got to be honest with yourself. I'm a metrics guy. I'm a science guy. Like I've always been a science guy. So I loved the process of weighing out my food, tracking calories, knowing protein. You're, you're a data nerd. I'm right? a data yeah. nerd. So it, yeah. it, it was a process that I enjoyed okay. because mm-hmm. it, it, it gave me power. I think there is power within macro counting and calorie counting to a degree. It's great awareness. It's awareness yeah. and, it, and it opens up opportunity to understand 
you can eat pretty much fucking anything yes. and burn body fat. Yeah. Now, with that being said, if you have a hyperfixation issue and you have a fear issue and you and you think that every gram is exact needs to be exactly right and you're a perfectionist, weighing out tracking food, tracking calories is probably not a good strategy for you. Yeah. You're gonna hyperfixate, right. you're gonna create a poor relationship with that scale, you're gonna create a poor relationship with calories and macros. It's probably not where you should start. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so if you're if you have hyperfixation issues, don't track calories and macros. Um, but regardless, the best place where I, t- I tell people to start double up on lean protein every meal, every meal, because the, the data is just so fucking good because like you, you just you feel fuller longer. You f- you have the opportunity with more protein source to put on lean muscle mass, which obviously helps a lot of things. The thermogenic effect of food and mm-hmm. increasing metabolism. The data is just so fucking good by just eating more lean. Keyword lean because ribeye steaks. Even if you're not doubling it up, just start eating protein because we say it all the yeah. time. Like people are eating thirty or forty grams of protein. It's like oh what my the god, fuck it's insane. Like, like, exactly why I did that sandwich video. Like what the fuck are you guys eating? You're you're yeah. literally eating. 40 fucking grams of protein a day. And I see it when I, and you want to know why you feel yeah. like you're starving all fucking. Yeah. Day. No wonder why you're overeating because you're never fucking satisfied. Yeah. And so, and I, I it's, it is funny when I work with clients and like, I personally, especially in the obese state, I try to get them to, towards one gram per pound in lean muscle mass, yeah. which is a lot. I mean, it's the, the, the rule of thumb is 0.7 to one. Right. Um, I really try mm-hmm. to push people towards one, the higher end because the feeling of fullness mm-hmm. and like, when people get near that one gram per pound and whether, whether, however, the strategy we go about doing that, do we track it exactly? Or we're just trying to double up on lean protein and, and work that route. Um, just the idea of focusing on eating more protein, the feeling of fullness. I, it's so funny. Like how many people will go, David, I'm struggling to get enough. my get my calories in with hitting my protein goal. And I'm like, doesn't that sound fucking crazy? You're actually too full and you're losing weight. Like it sounds like fucking witchcraft again, doesn't it? Like right, we, right. Have, we catch a lot of backlash yourself. from that when we when we first start working with clients, don't we? Like, you want me to eat how much? It's like, yeah. right. but they're coming from a place of scarcity when yep. they do that because yeah. they've been doing the 1,000 calories or the 1,200 calories. But then, of course, they're doing three or four, 5,000 on the weekends or whenever they finally go off the deep end. So we're we're just averaging it out across seven days a week rather than two or three days a week of eating more Mm -hmm. calories or, you know, exactly. And and that's, that's what's so sustainable. Like, cause again, eating more protein is sustainable because it also, what's nice about on the mindset side of things, it's adding something. Everyone thinks diet, everything is restriction. They think they got to take something away. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge one. So incorporating more protein is, is always a big start. And then I hate to say this one, I got to say it because it's really bad liquid liquid calories yeah like they fuck you it's a no-brainer i mean if you're drinking just switch the diet just you don't have to get rid of it just just go from regular if you're drinking regular gatorades drink the diet ones if you're drinking regular pop drink diet like it's not rocket science right tons of data to support that too just making that change alone Mm -hmm. results in significant weight loss and actually better i hate i'm not saying diet pop is is inherently more fat burning than water but did you see one of the newest human trials done like about yep. two and a half years ago? I, yeah, I, I like to cite that one. And then then people are like, are you telling me diet soda is better than water? It's Burn like, more no. fat than, than water? I'm not fucking saying that. I'm saying <laughs> from an adherence perspective, it's, it's a, that's what it comes down to. You enjoy it. 
Yeah, yeah. the hypothesis, the, the reality is the reason why it makes people burn more body fat than going straight to water is because it gets their indulgence without the calories. Right. right. Like if, if you can drink a Diet Dr. Pepper instead of a cookie and you're saving three to 400 calories excess a day, that's going to make you burn more body fat over time than going to water and then grabbing a cookie because you still want that sugary indulgence. Yes. That's Thank a fucking you. reality. Yeah. Like, and so it doesn't mean that diet pop makes you burn more body fat. It's not what it means. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's better than water. <laughs> no, it's just, right. but when, when push comes to shove and we have human trials tracking actually individual like data points, drinking diet pops actually better than only drinking water. <laughs> it is. It is. That pisses my most viral video on TikTok was actually, I mentioned yeah. that. And like that, that was always the, com- this guy's an idiot. He's doing the diet soda is better than water. And I'm like, no, okay. Like, please just go read the study. But <laughs> no, nobody knows how to read studies. So, yep. you know. Yeah. And then the other one. So when it comes to fitness, this is super important because I have, I, I have a very different perspective. Yeah. If you are morbidly obese, like you are hundred plus pounds overweight. And I want to preface it with one extra thing. You, this is again, being honest with who you are. At this current moment, if you're very emotionally weak, you can't handle a lot of pain. You can't handle a lot of discomfort. Strength training day one is not a smart thing to do mm-hmm. because there are inevitabilities within strength training that strength training has more benefits than cardio alone, which obviously long-term you want to get into some strength training because putting on lean muscle mass is very important. The issue is if you're emotionally weak, like myself at 400 pounds, every time I did strength training, I push myself too hard, too quick. I'd get too much doms. I'd pull a muscle and it's fucking over. And like, I couldn't do it. And I hate, like I couldn't, cause then all of a sudden, like I would get all these cramps and I, and I was just like, I can't do it. So honestly, my first hundred pounds was playing pickup basketball with friends, walking and jogging outside and incline walking on a treadmill. That was my first hundred pounds. I didn't get into strength training till after I had lost over hundred pounds. Um, now I think it's still super important long-term to get into strength training, but if you're very emotionally weak and you can't handle a lot of stress right now, putting excess stress of strength training on you is just not a smart thing to start with. It's just okay. not because you don't need to yeah, you, I can you, respect you change that. your nutrition, you wiggle your toes, you're going to burn body fat. And yeah. right now being at a healthy body fat percentage is way more important than putting on lean muscle mass. Yeah. I'm not a huge person for either or mentalities. It's like, but if you had to choose one in that situation, that's what you would yeah, choose. And right? it's like, yeah. I get asked all the time, what's more important, cardio or, key, or, or, or strength training? They're both important. Like cardio yeah. burns more calories and strength training is yeah. great for muscle. Exactly. And if I had to literally just choose one thing to do for the rest of my life, it would be walking. So yeah, same. Um, I, I absolutely can, can agree with you um, on, on mm-hmm. that. You know? Yeah. But I'm, but again, it doesn't mean that I, I still think strength training is fantastic because what yeah. it does do, it allows you for more long-term calories in the future because putting on lean muscle mass increases your basal metabolic rate, which puts you in a better, it's not massive. I, I, I got to say this because this one gets me. That's fair. Yeah. When I published my first book, it, it really fucked with me because I was doing all the science. I was going through all this kind of stuff. And at the time when I was, when I was doing my research, I truly believed every one pound of muscle you put on, you burn an extra 50 calories a day. That's what I thought the science was. Mm-hmm. If that were true, that means you put on 10 pounds of lean muscle mass, you burn right. an extra 500 calories a day. Sounds nice, right? It sounds friggin' awesome. That's not the reality. The reality is for every one pound of muscle you put on, you burn an extra seven, nine, maybe 10 calories a day. I thought I've been victim of that myself. I used to yeah. think that. Same. Yeah. 
And so that means, yes, you put, you, 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 you increase, which then you put on 10 pounds lean muscle mass, you burn an extra 70 to hundred calories a day, which is fantastic. That's an apple. Put yeah. that in perspective. That's an apple. And so, yes, you can eat an extra apple a day that you wouldn't normally be able to do if you didn't have that extra 10 pounds of lean muscle mass you put on. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it, there's benefits to it, but there's a lot of bros out there. It's like, man, if you get enough lean muscle mass, you can eat whatever the fuck you want. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. And I, and early on in my coaching days, I used to be like, stop doing cardio for fat loss. You should be oh. strength training instead because your metabolism is going to skyrocket. And then, you know, of course I started getting more educated and, and evolved as a coach. I'm like, Oh fuck me. Yeah. Yes. It, it does increase your baseline metabolism. Absolutely. But it's not as much as I thought. <laughs> yeah. So, but we should still be doing it because there's other mm-hmm. benefits of doing strength training. Yep. We need to stop hyperfixating on calories with everything we fucking do and exercise. Yep. We're not exercising as a way to burn calories. That's my stance on it. Yeah. Um, let's let's exercise to be healthy. Let's exercise to be strong, to feel good, and improve our longevity and quality of life. Yep. And D. So one of the guys in the ALG community who I, I respect dearly, his name's Dean. He used to weigh seven hundred pounds. He's lost 350 now. Wow. No weight loss surgery. No, no, nothing. And he's a little on the, the, the ultimate side of don't track anything. Just eat less like that. It's like, just perceive yourself as a 400 pound person, eat like a 400 pound person. You'll no longer be a 700 pound person, which I, I fundamentally, I'm a science guy. So like, I want to know, well, what, what are those numbers? How do you, how, yeah. Do, you do, yeah, how do you know what a 200 pound or yeah. 400 pound person right. is? But his results are undeniable. The man's lost 300 okay. pounds. He was seven. He was sedentary, 700 pounds. And that's working for him. And it's working fantastic for him. Now there's levels to it, like depending on how far you can go with that mentality, but there's levels to everything. And, mm-hmm. but that was one of the things that I, that I really enjoyed. One of the things he always says is I celebrate my body through movement oh, I like, love because, that. I, because I, because there was a point in time where he literally peed his pants in bed because he couldn't get out of bed at 700 pounds. Oh, wow. And so like, he's like, I celebrate my body through movement every day, whatever that movement is. I celebrate my body body and love for your body. Um, So I love that. I like working out. doesn't always have to be, I'm beating the shit out of my body. Right. Right. (laughs) I am anti that for sure. And of course there's going to be bodybuilders. um, So at some point they're going to have to do, they have to do that. If if that's your sport and that like you, David, there's probably beating the shit out of your body right now. The Um, necessary evil. It is because that's the sport, you know, powerlifters and things like that. When I went through my powerlifting um, prep, I was absolutely beating the hell out of my body. I so much so that I burned out and I didn't touch. I haven't touched a barbell in months. Still, I'm just doing dumbbells and machines right now. You know, um, I'm starting to get that itch again. But yeah. Now you mentioned the ALG community. What is the ALG yes. community? So I started a community with my business partner, John. John has lost 300 pounds. Nice. John, John Arpino. I don't know if you've probably, you've probably seen him on different stuff. J Arp's journey on Instagram and a couple of different things. We've been, we started with just a community. We just started with just kind of building a support system for people who need to lose over, lose over hundred pounds, started a podcast. We're at like 90 some episodes. And now we're about to start really developing past that. We're bringing on a couple of people that have more of the credential side so we can build out educational courses. So building, we're actually I have a buddy who's got a PhD in nutrition that we're looking to, to take on. Oh, nice. That's a good awesome. resource. Yeah. yeah. And so building out fundamental teaching points for obesity transformation. So like, it's like everyone has their little thing. Like, I think it's cool when you help, a, like say a, a new mom who just had her kid lose 20 pounds and get back yeah. in shape. That's not what excites you. That's not right. what excites me. 
I love working with someone who's hundred plus pounds overweight. Absolutely. Like I need to fucking change my life and yeah. working with that. So the ALG you, community, you were that person before I had, exactly. right. you can relate. Yeah, exactly. And so the ALG yeah. community is really designed for obesity transformations. If you need to lose over hundred pounds and you want to transform your absolute life, it starts with a community, build that support system. And then now we're in the process of really taking on like more of a course system. I mean, obviously I have my own clients and stuff like that as well. And ALG, that stands for Accountability Life, Life, Life Group. Yes. Accountable Life Group. Love that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. How can and people how find can, that? I was going to say, how can people find <laughs> that? Yeah. So we have a, Accountable Life Group is everything on Instagram, social media. Um, we have a podcast called the ALG Podcast. Um, we are communities on Facebook. Um, it is a private community. So you can go link in my bio of TikTok or whatever. And it's in there. Like any other community, we got to make sure we try to keep the bots and the savages out. And so there is a questionnaire and all that stuff. We have like 800 people in there now, which is pretty cool. Nice. Is that a free, is that a free group? Free free community to join. And it's just a good support system. It's more just on the mental side of things. Like if you're struggling and you need someone to be able to comment and like, Hey, I get it. Like that's what, that's what it's been built for. Accountability and support is huge in anybody's journey. There's yes. 100%. We love data, right? And we we know the data so, shows us that having that support system, whether it's a free group, whether it's friends, family, whether it's a coach, whatever, your likelihood of success uh, increases drastically. Yeah, exactly. And then every Wednesday at 8.30, we have a free community call. So like we have a Zoom call where everyone can come on. We have conversations. We chop it up. We have questions like, what's been your big greatest NSV non-scale victory in your journey yep. thus far, just kind of building people, people back up, it. finding, yeah. Yeah, fi- finding out that you're not that special. <laughs> There's yeah. struggling like you, right? And, yeah. No one, no one struggles with parents that don't support them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh shit. Actually. Yeah. Holy that's shit. Common, that's common, yes. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's just a great kind of support to, to recharge your, batteries as you're kind of building your own. Cause at the end of the day, accountable ALG is also in the perspective of we're not your mom. We're mm-hmm. not your dad. We're a support system. We're a community. We're going to tell you what you always need to hear. Not necessarily what you want to hear. Yes. And ultimately, if you come and go, you come and go. Like, I don't, if, if I know people are transforming their life, I don't like, I don't need a continuous paycheck from some, I, that's why I don't like gurus. Like, the idea you got to pay me for every macro, you got to pay me for everything. No, no like that's just not, that's just yeah. not sustainable. Yeah. Our, our job um, as coaches and as with our support systems and everything, give you what you need to do this on your own and like yep. release you back into the wild type thing. Yeah. Right? It's like one, one of my, one of my proudest ones is, you know, Jay is crushing it. Yes. I believe I've, I've d- discovered him from you. Yeah. yeah. So Jay is one of the guys from the LG community and he's lost 200 pounds. He's got like a million wow. followers on TikTok now. And wow. So it, it's been fun to just see people and it's weird going way back to the beginning of this conversation. It's so weird how people get salty at someone else's social media uh, <laughs> success. Yeah, right. Like we've yeah. gone through so many phases in the last three years of ALG where people will be like, Jay's killing it. Why can't I? And like, it's like, stop it. Like <laughs> Jay's got more followers than fucking me. And I've been doing this for a decade longer than he has. I don't give a shit. I'm just happy. He's killing it. He's doing mm-hmm. great. Stop it. Be happy for other <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And so it's always interesting. For sure. For sure. And for you personally, dude, um, as we wrap up, where can people find you um, on the socials? Yes. Yeah, so all my social media handles fit F I T underscore D rock D R O C K. Amazing. It's been awesome having you here. It was an absolute oh, yeah. pleasure. Awesome conversation. Fun conversation. Yes, totally. 
Hope you enjoyed this episode, so why not share it with a friend who needs to hear it? Send us a DM on Instagram or email us at cutthecrappod at gmail.com and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cutthecrappodcast. As always, we appreciate you and thanks for being here. 